Hello. We've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we'll be discussing Book 1, Episode 11, The Great Divide. Today on our panel we have Lindsay and Charles. I'm, of course, Mark. And let's get this thing started. So I want to say right at the top that I know right away that this is an episode that most people consider either the worst or the second worst in the series. Um, personally, I, I think it's the second worst. Um, I think that there is one episode that is a little bit worse. But I understand that this is not a great episode. But I want to just say at the top that mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember some things going forward. That one, this is a very high quality show. And it means that bad episodes get highlighted a little bit more so that they wouldn't in another show that's not as good because it's not as stark. But in this show, when we mean we've basically, other than one person giving one um, bad rating a couple of weeks ago, we've basically just been gushing over this show in pretty much every fashion. That's not going to be the case this week. Um, however, this isn't going to be a time where we just spend hours bashing this episode. One, I don't think it's that bad. Two, I just don't think it's very interesting. I want to just say that at the top because I know that people are going to be seeing that we're talking about divide and be like, oh, here we go. Here's the time for us to be everyone to be super negative. And yes, there's going to be negativity, I'm sure. But I just want to say at the top that I don't think this episode is as bad as the gut feeling that you get in the beginning. And we will talk about that. So with that being said, initial thoughts. Lindsay, why don't you start us off? Eh. That's fair. <laughs> Charles, go ahead. Um, I don't think I dislike this episode as much as other people. Uh, that being said, especially for Avatar and what we've seen with its storytelling, this is not strong in that regard. It's pretty weak there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think that... Like I said, I don't think this episode is particularly good. I think this is definitely a significant step down, especially in terms of narrative from the last, you know, set of episodes. I mean, the first 10 we've had in this show. Um, There are a few things here and there that we will talk about that I think they do hit on. But in general, I just think that this episode, it it feels like I I just don't entirely know what they were trying to do. Um, I guess I can kind of sort of see the story they were going with, but it just it feels very... Uh, certain parts just seem very off and if you compare it to just how what we've seen the last couple of weeks even you know last week where I was a little bit more negative because I'm not the biggest fan of Jed I think there's some parts of that episode that didn't hit exactly hit the mark I can see exactly what they were trying to do I can see the quality I can see how well it was produced this episode I, I think it's definitely just it just doesn't have the same the same feel although I would agree with Charles I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as some people think that it is so with that we will get started in our episode discussion um i expect this to be a little bit shorter than most weeks because to be honest the the big thing i will say about this episode more than anything else is it's just not interesting there's very little in this episode that's that i mean i there's you can have a bad episode that's really interesting that you can say oh it's bad but it did some really cool things this is just i don't think that that being said uh the first thing i will say is i do think this episode starts out pretty nicely because um the great divide's got like a kind of interesting little theme music um it kind of fits a, it's it fits that it's a little different from the last couple of uh, episodes musically we've heard um and it's just kind of like 
fun little theme. And in general, the, the stylization of this episode is very good. The sunset at the beginning is is outstanding. And then eventually when we do see the divide itself, it does look really, really cool. So I will give this from a pure stylization standpoint, I think this episode hits does that's something that this episode does hit pretty well on. Yeah, I agree with that. Especially the um even like the constant scenery of the Great Divide is it is very well done. Like so obviously like the style of the show like remains perfectly intact, which I'm very happy about. But I, I think just ultimately, and I'll get more into this later, it just, it starts off pretty decent, and as we'll see later on, it just doesn't really go anywhere. Extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean... Now, D... Oh, go ahead, Charles. Oh, no, like, visually, the show's pretty much never been bad. Mm-hmm. It's in... It's like the older style of animation where, you know, everything is hand draw or they hand draw all of the characters like way ahead of time. Um, so everything's gonna look pretty, and it lets them do nice uh, stylistic things, like when the two different uh, sides are telling the story, mm-hmm. how the visuals look different and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the you could say that for every episode in Avatar, it always looks pretty. Yeah. <laughs> it's not <laughs> that. Is, yeah. There, there is no doubt that that the Avatar franchise between Avatar and Korra is is some of the just best, like pure looking, um, definitely Western animation. I would contend even even more than that, but I don't want to get too controversial here. So, just in terms of Western animation, it's definitely some of the best looking Western animation. Um, the the first thing I do want to talk about on a on an actual serious note is I do think that one thing they attempted is this is kind of the first episode where Aang is kind of embracing his role of the avatar um i don't like the execution of it obviously but i do think that they at least are trying to throw ang into a situation where he's forced to kind of be peacemaker and be the mediator between um people who are who are fighting um and it's just interesting that they did this now in terms of like where we've been because we've we've spent the last couple of weeks talking at length about we come out of avatar roku ang's it's time to go i need to do stuff i need to be the avatar then just completely falls apart and nothing. And I think it's it is a little bit interesting that we can see that Aang has some on some level feels that he needs to be the peacemaker. We see it at the very beginning of the episode with with him saying, you know, trying to be the one to calm down Katara and Sokka and, and, and bridge down gaps. Mm-hmm. And then Katara kind of telling him, It's your job. You need to like find a way to bring peace between these people. And I it's just interesting narratively that they chose like right now after Jet, where Aang kind of is forced to not really do anything because he doesn't really take sides ish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just curious what you guys think about that. I feel like um, it, it it does t- kind of going off what you said. It does kind of feel a bit like wait now he's going to be the avatar. Like of all the situations that we've already faced, like now he's going to be like okay yeah now I got to like step up and be the avatar. It just kind of seems a bit weird. Although, at the same time, I think comparing it, how he reacts in this situation versus later on in the series, it definitely shows a good uh, growth that he has as a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can tell this situation is kind of, um, like, shoehorned in. It's just kind of there so that he can act like the Avatar. Mm-hmm. Arguably, you could have said he could have made a decision in the Jet episode too, like, um, 
when Sokka's trying to persuade them to leave by saying Jet's, like, insane and attacking uh, civilian old people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he could have been decisive there, tried to mediate at that point between Jet and Sokka and figure out what was actually going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they wanted to, you know, have him start doing that so they could set up for later, but it's just, like, so random. And the situation yeah. they're presenting is so dumb. Yeah. Yes. And we'll, we'll get to that. Um, the other major serious point I want to talk about, um, and I know this is an Avatar podcast, and I don't want to turn this into uh, American political discussion. However, this is the first episode that we get a major look at the refugee problem in this world uh, with the Fire Nation invading and displacing a lot of people. And it's the first time we see of people, we hear of people fleeing um, Fire Nation invasions to, to go to Ba Sing Se, um, where refugees are taking mm-hmm. in. And I do want to say this because I, you know, obviously right now here in America, this is a huge um, topic yeah, of conversation with, now, with what's with been going what on. Happened yesterday, especially right now. And, and yes, we are recording this in, in late January in 2017. So if you've been following the news, you do know that this has um, been a big deal with, with the policies that President Trump has put forth with refugees. So I do think it is something that we should talk about a little bit that, and I think in general, I don't think this episode is the best at it because we, we get to see it later on in, in much more personal and um, really heart-wrenching stories um, like the, the family that Aang leads through the Serpent's Pass that are pregnant and you know fleeing and trying to get to Ba Sing Se. But this is the first sort of time where they do hint at it that these people are refugees. They're fleeing their homes and being forced to move on. And I've talked at length over the last couple of weeks about these different gut punches when we see a concentration camp, when we see a um, you know Fire Nation burning down villages, when we see all of these terrible things. And this is just another great example of, wow, this war really is affecting people. It's not like, because I think that it would have been very easy for them to, oh, there's a war going on. Aang needs to stop it because war is bad. But they're much more um, pointed than that, where this is something you can clearly see this war is is causing major strife for a lot of people. And I think that that's, that I think is a good thing. And in general, I think this episode at least begins giving us a sense of that idea where there's these, these, these people being forced to leave their homes, move, and, 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 and push because of the Fire Nation. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It, it definitely makes it... Um, it kind of takes you also back again to the whole situation at hand because it's so easy, I feel like, in this series to get caught up with um, just the antics of Aang and the gang and everything. So sometimes it's easy to forget, well, there is an active war going on. And so especially to see this type of situation in which the refugees are fleeing and they're desperate to get out of there. They're going through a dangerous canyon with those creepy giant ant monsters or something. And they're just so desperate to escape the situation that they'll go through it to find some sort of freedom in Bossing Say. And so that type of situation, I will say that it definitely brings the audience back to reality of this world. Mm-hmm. Charles? Yeah, it's um, it's a pretty stark reminder. I mean, like you said, there's definitely uh, scenes done later on that uh, 
outline the situation way in way starker detail. Like mm-hmm. here, it's kind of offset by the fact that both parties don't really look like they're struggling too much. If that makes any yeah. sense, mm-hmm. like yeah, I mean they've got food, they've got enough supplies to make the journey pretty easily. But uh, later on, especially when we see um the it's like the uh, when they're all entering Bossing say and the on the house. coast of the like river and then there's like everybody's just you know packed oh, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in there the, in the yeah in the ferry terminal yeah yeah, yeah. so I mean I, it's it's a good reminder but they kind of did it really lightly like it's not as stark as even say uh, Haru's town or mm-hmm. um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I mean, even. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Go ahead. Even last episode, like, Jet destroyed a town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, casual. You're completely right. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that, like, oh, this is this like super somber episode, and we should remember. I'm. It just. It did strike me that. It, it, I kind of like in terms of, again in terms of like rewatching the show that like you you forget how big a deal it is that there's this massive refugee problem and this is the first time that they do show a group of refugees moving mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately the, the the episode tries to take such a comedic tone that i think it 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 undercuts the message that's being put forth here i just i just wanted to talk about it a little bit here because it is, i do think it is important yeah mm-hmm. now speaking of said refugees um my first, I would say, big kind of issue with this um, is that, in general, these two tribes do not make any sense. Mm-hmm. They, they literally make no sense. Their clothes and cultures make it seem like they're from completely different parts of the world, and yet they seem to know each other. They seem to be, like, so unbelievably close that they would have to be from the same climates and be have to be from the same... It, it doesn't... It just absolutely doesn't make sense. It's It'd be one thing if you had, um, you know, one tribe that's prim and proper and the other one that's just, like, dirty and disgusting, but the way their clothes make it seem, it looks like they're from a much colder climate. They're definitely, you know, from a... It just... It doesn't... It doesn't make any sense. And in general, I think that outside of this specific episode, Avatar does a really good job of setting up geographic... Um, things that make sense. You can. You, we talked a lot about during the Omashu episode that you you see Omashu and you think that is an earthbending city. There's no way that city could exist anywhere else. You see the Fire Nation and suddenly it makes sense that the Fire Nation is like that. Mm-hmm. And yet here it just. I, I understand. Yeah, they were trying to do this to make them look kind of different, but in general, it just makes it to me it just doesn't make any sense. And I and I don't get it. Yeah, I feel like. It's, it's not something I automatically, like, really recognize, but now that you mention it, it's kind of like that idea, like, like, what you've mentioned is that the the team that does this, uh, that makes Avatar, like, they've been so on point about that geographic location, so all of a sudden for them to just be so different while clearly they're neighbors, it just, it, that doesn't really make total sense. It is kind of awkward. I mean, I get it from a visual design mm-hmm. standpoint because it's one really easy way to emphasize that they're, you know, clearly different in philosophy and a lifestyle. But 
Yeah, in terms of like a overall world building perspective, it is kind of jarring. And it seems like by the end they're trying to kind of make the argument that they were sort of linked and like they're going to go and travel as one tribe, so to speak. Like if that's the case, it it, it that undercuts that because it doesn't really – it doesn't feel like this is – these are one tribe that are just has like cultural differences. Like I could completely understand if it was like the rich of the one society and the poor of one society or if I – or something along those lines. But that's just – not really what's being presented and I it, it just I don't know I, and this is kind of gets at what I said at the start like this show does such a great job of this thing normally that I see it and it just like sticks out to me like wow this just doesn't make any sense um so from there they go into the canyon and, and in general I think everything was pretty much uh, you know not particularly of note there really wasn't much that happened the fights with the animals was eh, wasn't really particularly interesting um, but the other thing that I want to just talk about in, in terms of like really disliking this episode and not disliking, but the, the biggest problem I have with this episode is the stupid story that they, that they push with, with the two tribes and why the tribes don't like each other. And what annoys me so much about it is that at first, when I first watched the show, I kind of thought like, oh, this is like a legend that's really not true, but it's the excuse. It's the excuse these two tribes use to hate each other. But at the end of the day, they hate each other for lots of cultural and political reasons. And the story is just the, the thing they tell the kids about because then the kids can, you know, uh, you know have a, a fun story. But in the end, they actually make it seem like um, – they make it seem as though literally it's – actually this this is actually the reason that these two tribes don't like each other which absolutely makes no sense um because a if it was a hundred years ago well then there were people alive who knew people around during that time that just so so then the whole ang thing doesn't make any sense um in general the story the two stories seem different enough that it doesn't really make it, that doesn't make sense and then you have Katara and Sokka believing it. And, and in general, I just think that these stories just do not make any sense in terms of why two tribes actually hate each other. And if if that's – like if, if that's – sorry, I'm – if the real reason is that this this story, then they, then they can't – in the end, that can't be undone by Aang telling some fun little lie because then this doesn't – it didn't matter to begin with. Then, then the problems are just ridiculous. I don't mm-hmm. know. This is that. That's that is in terms of like you talk about this episode. That's um, like is I think very much off the mark. This is it. This this part of it doesn't just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. Especially I the thing that always got me about this episode it was that they clearly have so much other deeper issues against each other than just like their history. I mean, probably the history of the stories that they know that one another influenced it, but there is a lot of other deeper issues here. And so for Aang just to be like, no, they were brothers and then, and they uh, got well, like got along just well. And then uh, uh, just get along and be happy. Like that, like that just doesn't make reasonable sense to me at all. <laughs> yeah, definitely agree. Like there's no logic there at uh, all. I mean, mm. if you, really wanted to you could pretend that this works but it takes a lot of like <laughs> it, it takes a lot of suspension of disbelief it, it, in, in theory 
there could have been no one alive that knew what happened a hundred years ago because they were all killed off by the Fire Nation. And in theory... <laughs> I understand I understand what you're saying, but I guess what I mean... At the end of the day, what I mean is if this story is actually the problem, if, if, if these two tribes hate each other because of what happened between Jinwei and Wei Jin, then... Aang, then, then clearly they are much more invested in this story to have Aang be able to say, that's not what happened. I'm 112 years old. Listen to me. Someone would have said, no, that's not true. We've been fighting for all this time. That, so I, I'm, I don't know. I just think that it, it – I under, yeah, they want it to be silly. They want it to let Aang kind of come up with some fun little story, which fine, whatever. But I just – it just doesn't – it just does not compute. And in general, this is a show that – usually makes some degree of narrative sense and it didn't i mean that's that's fair um although i will say the whole you know two feuding group trope has been done a lot in um television and just any entertainment media in general so they might have been trying to play off of that rather than anything else like why do the oh, no, I, why yeah. do the capulets and fucking um, Montagues. Montagues. Yeah, Montagues hate each other. I have no idea. Well, this is the point, right? Yeah, <laughs> they don't. Oh know. no, I yeah, you I don't know. <laughs> Why do they no, hate that's... each other? Wait, no, I want to know that. <laughs> Subject of a, we should we should start a Romeo and Juliet podcast where we discuss reasons they hate each other. I'm just gonna Google this right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, I no, I agree with that, and I and I understand. I I don't have a problem with these like these two tribes disliking each other, and I don't even have a pro- I wouldn't even had a problem with this story being something they talked about if it was a thousand a a thousand years ago and not a hundred because a hundred makes no just makes no damn sense. And two, if instead it was the story was more of a symbolic. Thing that you know that yeah the we're we're standing up for our our hero Wei Jin when in reality they hate each other because they've been fighting over the same land for a hundred years or mm-hmm. whatever you know kind of and this is just a myth to, to to do that fine that's completely acceptable I understand what you're doing there but then you have the reason the tribes get together be they work together and realize they could become friends not and convince them that their story wasn't actually true. That just that just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I wanted to talk about earlier that I forgot, um, but originally with the um, with Katara and Sokka being with their fight that then gets par- uh, played again with um, with the two tribes where Katara wants to put up the tarp and, and Sokka wants to use it as a blanket. I would argue that knowing what I know about these characters, they should be on opposite sides. That Sokka is the practical one, or I mean, Katara is the practical one who would say, it's the dry season. We don't need to put up the tarp. It's a blanket. That seems very practical. Mm-hmm. Sokka is the one who does crazy things for no real reason and be like, no, you can never be too careful. What if it rains and super paranoid? To me, I didn't understand. Like, I, I re- watched that this recently and I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. This is not these two characters. And other than an easy way to be funny later on with the with the two tribes, I don't understand this one at all. Yeah. Do you guys agree with me on that? 
Now that you mention it, yeah, I actually do. It, it, and I think something about that moment of when uh, they were arguing about it just with the tent, something about it, like, I was a bit off. I wasn't sure what, but, and, and now that you mention it, that's it. I was like, why is Sokka the one being like, ah, no, it's fine. Like, we use it as a blanket, especially just because I just remember him, especially in the Southern Water Tribe and everything, being like, so by the book, this is how we do things. Like, yeah, he's silly, but still, like, in general, when it comes to things like shelter, I feel like he'd be the type of person that's like, no, it, like, just because it's not supposed to rain doesn't mean it might not. Like, we gotta do this. This is how you're supposed to do it. So to see it kind of switched, I think that's probably what got me, like, feeling like something was off in that situation. So thank you, Mark, for letting me identify what was yeah. so off about it. <laughs> yeah, and hell, like, last week, the whole, like, episode hinges on Sokka deciding we're not gonna fly because I'm paranoid that flying is what's getting us in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, and now suddenly, no, who cares? It's not gonna rain. We need to have a blanket. Like, that just, to me, just doesn't seem like Sokka. And then I, I, I believe the same thing about Katara. Mm-hmm. Charles, how about you on this? I mean, generally, I agree. Um, I didn't really have that kind of discrepancy. I, I read the argument a little bit differently, though. Uh, mm-hmm. I read... I, I didn't think that either of them were real... Or, I didn't think that Katara was really invested in the whole tarp thing. Uh, uh, but I, I read the... Sh- like, I read the scene very differently. I thought she was just, like, pissed off that she couldn't find firewood in the middle of a canyon. <laughs> Or like at the edge of a canyon, so she was like, "Fuck!" Put <laughs> 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 out all of her frustration and rage on her brother. That's what siblings do, right? That's that's how that relationship works. Um, oh yeah, that's 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 that part of it. I'll fine. assume that's what siblings do because I don't have any. So. <laughs> and then, I mean, the soccer thing, yeah, but you could also make the counter argument that if you lived in that world or if you knew about different regions and you know that it's the dry season it actually doesn't rain here ever during this time of year like there's places in you know in our world that that's like that right like if mm-hmm. you go to um sub-saharan africa there's places where it just won't rain for like weeks on end um oh no or... i yeah that, that that's completely right i so I mean, like, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I was like, well, maybe he knew, but yeah, in terms of general personalities and what like uh, they would have usually been about, yeah, Sokka's usually the one that wants to, you know, prep every detail, make the like, like just in case or work for the just in case scenario. So he probably would have put up the tarp. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Katara's more like, uh, it looks like it'll be fine. Let's do it. Or I yeah. think it'll be. I think it'll work out. Let's do it, as evidenced by the um, the pirate episode. Right. <laughs> yeah, the pirate episode. Also, like later on, when in in book three, when they're being chased by uh, Sparky, Sparky, Boom Man, <laughs> when um, and and they're going to go um, go uh, swimming, and Sokka's like, I don't think we should be doing this, and Katara's like, Ah, who cares? It's fun. So I don't know. I just it, it, it felt very stark and I under, like I understand that if, if that argument was more about like laziness than fine, like it makes sense. 
But because they then bring it up a second time as like the, oh yeah, Katar is on the side with the people who put up the tarp. And of course, Sokka's on the side that wants to use the tarp as a blanket. It like, it was that double seeing it twice. This made me be like, no, I, I don't, I just don't buy this in terms of these two, these two characters. Um, now, by far the most important and biggest highlight of this episode was the fact that we got to see that Aang is googly-eyed over Danton because I'm and I'm with him. That 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 egg custard looked great. It was so big, dude. I know. I don't know how Where they hit that big that? of a custard. Like <laughs> we need to like go down there and find their baker because. God, that looked good. How, how do they have such an amazing-looking custard thing while they're just refugees? I'm just—I know that's kind of like a mean thing to ask, but I'm like just wondering, like, how do you, how do they have that? I, I don't know. I <laughs> uh, and it looked like it was on the dirty people side too. It was on the dirty people side, <laughs> which is like, okay, guys. What are they I doing with a custard cake? But fine, they all brought food, and therefore it. It was bad. They both fucked up. Um, yeah, yeah, which is stupid because you know your life depended on this one. I just loved the um. Oh god, what I, I just always forget the different names of the tribes. Hold on, sorry. Uh, the Zhangs. I, I just love the Zhangs yeah, logic when they were explaining to Sokka why they brought food. How they were like, oh yeah. Well, you know, clearly, uh, the guy Jin thought that we brought food, so they brought food. So we know that they thought that that they brought that. So then we thought we would bring food in return. Like <laughs> the backwards logic behind that, I was like, what kind of like weird psychoanalysis response is that? Like it's it's just crazy to me. Well, I want mm-hmm. to know is this: they made a day journey through a giant canyon, right? So, had yeah. they not brought food in, would they not have had food in the other side? I I don't know. I, that yeah, would they just Actually, have yeah, I never thought about that. I I yeah, think yeah. maybe with the elder and sick refugees that got like flown over. No, no. Assuming assume assume Appa wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, Ang's not there. The, what was their actual plan? Oh, then I don't. Yeah, that may I didn't realize that, that makes no damn sense because then they're just on the other side of the canyon with no food, and it's not like they're next to Bossing Say right now. Yeah, they're still pretty far. No, they're so. in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> God, this episode makes no damn sense. <laughs> Nothing about this episode makes sense, but it looked pretty. <laughs> that it did. That's all that matters. <sighs> I, I will give, in terms of one humor, though, I did like that Sokka was completely honest that I only took their side because they fed me. Like, that was I like that Sokka's... That was so perfect Typical to Sokka. Typical Sokka like, response eh, right there. They gave me meat, so I believe them. Um... Um, we get our we get our fight and our, our their fight against the canyon crawlers and I guess Aang has a kind of clever solution of of riding the canyon crawlers out. Although, I mean, it also kind of begs the question of like, I, I, I actually I don't know because if they didn't bring food, the Earthbender wouldn't have been hurt, so they would have been eaten up. But it's like I don't know. It just feels like there was like some there was a little bit of tension for a minute of like, oh, we're stuck in this canyon. What are we gonna do? And Within a day, they're like, eh, we'll just ride the animals out. I don't know. <laughs> Those animals are awesome, by the way. Mm-hmm. The canyon crawlers? Yeah, they're like... What is... What mix is that? They look like ants. I was gonna say they're Ant just slammed. That got really fucked up. 
but um because every animal in the avatar world is a mixture of two animals mm -hmm. except I mean, for the bear in... of bossing Sai. oh yeah except for the bear <laughs> well bear and clown question mark but um yeah maybe probably ant and lizards in this case oh yeah maybe or ant and gecko something like that yeah maybe something like that some kind of reptile yeah could look that up but i don't really care but i like that the um their design or that they kept that part of the design like animals in avatar especially the ones you find out more in the wilderness kind of resemble spirit or at spirit world animals mm -hmm. or yeah. more you know of that appearance so it's cool that they kept to that um design philosophy mm -hmm. yeah uh, one question, I'm kind of, uh, to be honest, I've been pretty scatterbrained in this episode, but uh, to just jump back for a second, what did you guys think about the art styles of the, the story? Uh, forgetting the actual stupidity of the mm -hmm. narrative, but um, in terms of pure art styles, what did you think? So, I personally was drawn to the first art style, because it was just very, like, me personally, like, I like very smooth, like, animation. So the second one... I, I, I did not like it, and... I, I would agree with that. I, I did not like I the did not like it. The bold lines, like, the, it just was very craggly looking. And I know that's, like, a weird word to use, but that's, like, the only description I can use. Like, just craggly, just sharp edges, blunt, heavy lines, and just... I, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't think the second style was meant for anima animation, if that makes any sense. It seems like mm -hmm. something that would have worked better for still drawings. Yeah. Um, also, it reminded me of modern animation, where you'll just uh, di basically digitally render a 2D image and then manipulate it mm -hmm. with whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I'm not a fan of that style of animation, but that's just a personal thing. I, I, I mean, of those two, I liked the first one better, but, I mean, of all the ones presented, Koro, it's just the regular Avatar animation that's, you know, the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we get to we get to our ending, and uh, they're they're gonna forgive each other, but then they're not gonna forgive each other. And Aang is like, "Oh no, those guys! Uh, they yes, they course, were kids and playing a game." I don't know, and I've said enough about that, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rehash why I think this is this is stupid. But suffice it to say, it's it's stupid. Yes. You know, I also wonder what what was that ball? Did it exist? The, the what orb? the the orb? Yeah, that that's, I, I, that sounds like something that might actually have been important. Here, I mean, especially considering again, I keep saying this, but a hundred years ago, the orb is definitely around somewhere if it actually did exist. That was like my thought: is that clearly this orb is like really fucking important to you guys? Where the hell is this orb now? Huh? Like. And if they do a redemption ritual, like when was have they have they just not done the redemption ritual since? Like, was that the last one? Yeah, but eh. unless it's a once every hundred years thing, but <laughs> that would be something. That would be really <laughs> silly. Oh God. 
Want to know where the orb is? God damn it! <laughs> we need to send out a stat. I hope that's the, the the plot of the next Korra comic is like, or the next Avatar comic is they're going on a search for the redemption orb. I I they now still... need there to be a new Avatar based animation series solely on finding this orb. Yep. <laughs> But hey, in the end, Aang did his first true act as the Avatar, you know, reuniting or, or bringing peace to these tribes and, and bringing them together. So, I guess I guess we can check. I guess we can put that on a win in Aang's column. His first his first real win as the Avatar, right? Mm-hmm. I guess. So. <laughs> I mean, it's not. I mean, there's an asterisk there, but you know. We're all so I mean, excited we... about this. <laughs> we go to Bossing Say later, and I don't ever remember seeing these two tribes again. No, so, we do not. So I, I question I will, the win. <laughs> I will give Mike and Brian this. They at least know that this episode was silly. I mean, they in in in, tell, in um what's it called uh, Ember Island players? They very clearly make the joke of like flying over it and. Like, they don't bring this up again. Yeah. So I'm, I at least give them that. The I will say this. At the very beginning, though, when Sokka was like, um, it, when they get to the Great Divide and Sokka's like, eh, we'll just move on. I was like, yes, listen to him. Just just fly over it. Keep flying. Fly over my son. It's almost, it's almost like they finished the episode and were like, wow, this episode is not very good. Let's put a joke in at the beginning to be like, you know, make everyone think. I would like to just mention something right now actually two things first of all yeah i love the crazy canyon guide with the passion he was like my favorite yes. part of this entire thing when he starts going loony he goes like oh man can't air can't earth bend i'm gonna be part of the food chain and i like, don't want to be part of the food chain i just i i loved him in that and then like freaking out during the battle but my biggest and i get i know for story-wise purposes i wouldn't do this you have a bunch of refugees that need to cross over this really dangerous canyon. And, oh, look at that. You have a flying bison who's already flying some of them over. Why is there not, like, some kind of, like, system in place of just, okay, we'll, like, fly a bunch of you over? Like. Yeah, I thought about that, too. <laughs> I don't know. Also, like, I do like the canyon guide. He's very fun. But is he, like an earth kingdom soldier like does the earth kingdom not like trying to get their refugees across i don't even know i think he is probably and this is like my little backstory i created for him he was born and raised around the canyon that little hut next to the canyon is probably where he lives because i don't know if you saw that hut in the beginning there was a yes, hut behind him that's his home and <laughs> he's born and raised in that area he knows the area and with this type of situation in place in which more and more refugees are coming to this area to get across it, he sees it as an opportunity to probably get some money out of it, get make a living, and uh, utilize his knowledge of the area to his full advantage. Yeah. He is a smart entrepreneur. That's so. Although he did, he chose to leave, and now he's off to Bossing Say, I guess. I mean, maybe he was just a retiree. <laughs> He's an old man. He needs a break, Mark. <laughs> maybe. He almost died. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Also, can't people right. earthbend with just yep. their feet? They can earthbend with just their head. Remember Boomy? 
Okay, but let's but he is let's boomy. Boomy, he boomy is, is not. A king. That is true. This is a common boomy, earth bender. He is not. I, I mean, like normal yes. people can't. Can, yes, don't... I'm sure he could. Yes. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess let's yeah. just. Yeah. Let's let's, let's keep let's talking about all the logical problems with this episode. <laughs> yes. So Corey gave us some thoughts. So I'm going to read out Corey's thoughts and his rating, and then I'll throw it around to everyone's rating. Um, but before I do that, I would like to just once again state our rating scale, but be a little bit more firm this time. As, our rating scale is a 0 to a 10. A 10 is you're saying this is one of the best or the best episode of television of all time. And I, and I say television, I mean that. Not Avatar, not the Avatar franchise, not good shows you've watched, but all of television that you've seen. A 0 is you could pay me 30 bucks and I'm not watching the episode because it's that bad. So when I give an episode rating, I, I, I just – I'm going to try and hold people to what they're saying because I know that this episode isn't great, but it's very clearly not a zero or a one. It just – there's no way it is in terms of like overall quality. So I just – I want to say that out loud before we start. Well, hang so, on. Hang on. If yeah. you're talking about only within TV that we've seen and not including TV that we've heard about – I don't know. This, uh, this... I mean, when I say TV that we've seen, I don't just mean shows you've chosen to watch straight through. But I mean, like, you flip through a channel and you've seen a show. No, uh, that's my point, right? That's like... fair. I, I'm not saying – look, I'm not going to sit here and say you need to give this episode a 9 because you don't. <laughs> a, because it's not a 9. It's not even close what to What if nine. I give it a 9? I'm just saying if you give this episode a 1 – you are saying that this episode is truly some of the worst television that you've ever seen. And that it just if that's your opinion, that's fine. I, I if you can if you want to defend it, that's fine. It's just you have to defend it. I'm not I'm not gonna let someone just give this episode a one and be like, oh yeah, it's a terrible episode. Because I don't think that, that I personally don't think that's true and it's important. And I think the same true on the other side. If you give an episode a ten, you better defend it. Um so just in general. So with that, Corey's thoughts. This is an episode I chose to look at at the macro level. I hear this being brought up for one of the worst Avatar episodes, especially The Last Airbender. If we are talking in terms of being one of the worst Last Airbender episodes, I agree. However, I think people confuse it with being one of the worst Last Airbender episodes with it just being strictly bad te television. And to that, I disagree. I like certain parts of this episode. I like how Aang plays the role of Diplomat, and really this highlights the side of him and being the Avatar. For example, I believe this episode would play out in a majorly different way if it was Korra and not Aang. The alignments of Katara and Sokka don't make much sense, sure. Both villages are unlikable, sure. In the end, it wasn't about that. I believe this episode is just a result of the sum of its parts not ending up. In the end, this isn't bad television. It's very average. For what Avatar is bad, but because Avatar is very above average, I give this episode a 5 out of 10. And a 5 is strictly average. So, with that, Lindsay, why don't you give your final thoughts and your rating? Um, so, kind of like as I said before in the beginning, this whole episode for me was just, eh. I mean, yeah, I talked about how much I love the Canyon guy, because he was like that one little quirky character that gave, I felt like, the episode any form of, like, real life to it, because it was like, oh, look at the crazy guy, I like him. <laughs> um, but... Mm -hmm. Really, as we talked about, there's like there's so many logical flaws in here that I just I, I was never really entertained by this episode. 
I mean, I, I don't hate it with a passion of a thousand suns, but neither do I love it like that. So I'm going to give it probably like a four. And I don't think, mm-hmm. like, I'm I'm someone, I just want to also say, like, I'm someone that I'm very easily amused by a lot of stuff. Like, so for me to give it a four is, like, pretty bad in my book. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, I, that's fair. I'm, I, I, I just I gave that thought at start at the beginning just because I wanna I wanna be partially because I'm actually gonna be using these numbers to do averages and look at the overall average of a season. And if I, I just say if you're going to give the episode something that's significantly lower than you actually think, I just want to be careful mm-hmm. of that. Um, a four, as you're saying, it's a below average episode of television. Yeah. That's a completely fair point. I knew, Saying this is abysmal is yeah. I, I knew it was really below average because when I was watching this episode, I uh, stopped a Korean drama I was watching to watch it, and the whole time I was watching this episode, I just kept thinking back to, what if I just like not finish this episode and go back to my Korean drama? And for me to be like not even wanting to finish the episode at one point, I was like, yeah. that's how I knew it was like not good. Yeah. Charles, um, disclo- full disclosure: I watched a lot more TV when I was a kid than I do now, just mm-hmm. based on time availability for television versus uh, computer entertainment. Um, that being said, uh, the quality of TV back when I was a kid was not quite so high. There were some pretty bad shows on, not animated shows, but just TV in general. So, yep. uh, I, I think this is above those. Uh, I'd probably give this a six. Um, yep. Plot wise, yeah, we talked about it's bad. Logically, it's bad, but it it does serve to, um, as we mentioned, you know, bring up the idea that this there is a war, there are refugees, uh, this world is in pretty dire straits visually it's appealing they do the uh the two style variations well i mean we we talked about how we didn't like the shangs or the way the shang art style looks but the fact that they could uh transition to it well i think was fun was great um and yeah, I mean, just given everything, it wasn't great, it wasn't bad, but I think it was probably a little bit above average, so six. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I would say I think that this episode is just slightly below average uh, in terms of television, um, but definitely not bad by any means. Um, so I'll give this episode a 4.8. Um, I think it's just a, just a hair below average. Um, there are some things about this episode I do like. As I, I said, I think the stylization is great. The art um, continues to be great as, as this is Avatar. Um, and there are there are some moments here and there that, that were bright spots. Um, and if the ending wasn't what it was, I think this episode would probably be slightly above average. You know, it's in and when I get, went into the episode, I said it's probably going to be between a 4.5 and a 5.5. It's somewhere in that 
extremely average range. I think Corey's rating of a five is 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 very accurate, and you know Lindsay and Charles giving it a, a four and a six respectively. Again, that's averaging out to a five. So in general, I think average is about what I would say. Um, but I do think that the ending is just it's just annoying enough to me that that I would give it I would give it the below average. Um, even though the difference between a four eight and a and a, and a five is pretty minuscule, but it just it is below average just by a hair. Um, Overall, yes, I think this is this is the second worst episode of the Avatar: The Last Airbender series. Um, full disclosure, I think Appa's Lost Days is the worst episode, um, but maybe that'll change. I don't know. I haven't actually watched that and rated it in a while, but from looking back, I usually consider that episode a little bit worse. Um, and I definitely think this is the worst episode of Book One and the worst episode that we've seen so far. Um, just significantly worse. And if you've looked at my ratings, my ratings, really, I think that last week was the worst rating I gave, and it was like a 7.5, and, you know, suddenly we're dropping three or four points below that. Mm-hmm. So that is that is pretty indicative of this is this is significantly lower. Um, so with that, we're going to close out uh, Thoughts from Out Woo. This has definitely been our shortest episode, although we, we got close to 50 minutes, so we're not, not that much shorter. Um, we should be back next week um, and getting on to what I think is one of the most interesting episodes of Book One, The Storm. So uh, definitely look out for that. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at AuntWu underscore pod. You can also leave comments in SoundCloud on iTunes, Stitcher, Pum, Google Play. There's a few other places that our podcast might be up. Uh, so you can find us in all of those different places. Um, and hopefully you guys enjoyed this and we will see you next week. And we're out.